All right. Everybody doing good today? It's a good day. It's a good day. Hey, uh, listen, we've been in this series talking about duck getting our ducks in a row. And, uh, you know, as you guys know, we've got a pool party this afternoon. So uh, you can get your rubber ducky. You can bring it with you, whatever. You know, and uh, we've been talking about getting our ducks in a row. And we even gave out little ducks to kind of, hey, to remind you of that one. Who is that one that you're going after? And I thought about last week as we were, as we were, as I was teaching, I was thinking, you know, hey, maybe you brought your one with you. And that person who is going, hey, they're probably looking over to you like, hey, am I your one? And if you are their one, I hope that you feel like, you know what, they love me, these people care about me, and they care about where I'm going to spend eternity. So don't, don't be offended by someone saying, hey, listen, you're my one. Because what they're saying is, hey, listen, I love you, I care about you, I want a relationship with you, but I want you to have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. So just always keep that in mind, that if someone's inviting you and trying to get you to be a part of something like life groups, it's because they love you and they care about you, right? So there's a lot of ways to get connected and involved here at Journey. And we want to make sure that, you know, you're doing it. So we're going to challenge you. We're going to push you towards that. We're going to do everything we can, but it's because we love you, right? So let's talk about spiritual, uh, getting our spiritual ducks in a row. We've talked about it means to get everything properly organized, ready, and prepared, meaning getting your ducks in a row. And that could be for anything. You know, like I said, in school, whatever it might be, how you start a new job, how I'm going to get my ducks in a row, whatever it might be. And uh, I know, you know, I, I love to hunt and stuff. So a lot of guys who are, you know, in the hunting, this is kind of that, time of the year where they start getting all their ducks in a row they start working on the the property and the wives are going to be going up there again and you know what's going on and so what we do is we have to get things in order kind of get them ready ready for what the the season will be and so today we're trying to get your spiritual ducks in a row and i really kind of want to walk through this and and uh but i want you to keep in mind it's not just a a format it's not a program this is about a relationship with god through his son jesus christ and so but the thing is, is oftentimes we can get stuck. We can get stuck relationally, we can get stuck emotionally, and we can get stuck spiritually. And, and my prayer is maybe there's somebody that's dialing in this morning, maybe online, that you feel stuck. You're just at a place where you just can't seem to keep, you know, get, get, get beyond where you are. Or maybe you're here today and you feel like, hey, you know, you're stuck. And, and the, here's the thing, that spiritual, being stuck spiritually will affect you emotionally, relationally, financially, and every other way. And so it's important for us to understand, hey, where, where am I going? You know, kind of what, you know, what are, what's, the, what's the direction I'm headed or whatever. So I want us to talk through a few steps that I think are important. And one is hearing the gospel. One of the most important things is uh, we, need to, we need to hear the good news. We need to hear the gospel. And I'll just say this. We have, a, we have a nation, we have a world that needs to hear the gospel, needs to hear the good news of Christ. And too often what we do is uh, we can kind of get busy with life and we can kind of get busy doing church, and we can miss the gospel. We can, we, we, can, we can sit around and study the Bible, you know, and learn all this stuff, and we're not sharing the gospel. We're not telling anybody about the gospel. We're not telling anybody about the good news, and we can just kind of get busy doing church, and we can miss out that, you know what, hey, man, people need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and so I think it's important for us to hear the gospel, and the gospel is for everyone, and this is out of Romans 10, 9, and through 15 it says if you openly declare that jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you'll be saved so it's not going to church not reading the bible it's a it's a relationship with christ and it's by faith and faith alone it's not something we earn we don't work our way there we surrender and so we're not we're not working there we're surrendering our life to christ and so that person will be saved for it is by believing in your heart, remember there's faith against believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. You're going, hey man, I want everybody to know that Christ lives within me. It's not something we hide. You know, this evening we've got uh, baptism at our uh, pool party, and we're going to start the whole day with that. 
And I don't know how many we have right now, but, uh, you know, at one point we had 16. I don't know if they're all going to be there. Somebody said that somebody was sick. So however many, but what they're doing is they're going public. They're letting everybody know, hey, man, Christ lives within me. I'm his child. I've been, I've been adopted into the family of God, and I'm a part of the, the kingdom of God. And I want everybody to know that. And so it's one of the most evangelistic things that we do as a believer is be baptized. I mean, and it's important. And so they're going to do that. They're going to declare that openly to someone to everyone. And it says, as the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. We're never put out. We're part of the family of God. We become a, an, a, an adopted child of God, if you will. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. It doesn't matter what your background is. You might say, well, Mike, you know, I don't know if I'm good enough. You're not. None of us are, right? It doesn't matter. You, you know, you may say, hey, well, I'm Jewish. I'm a chosen people. It doesn't matter. It's, it's available to the Gentiles. It's available to the Jew. It's available to all who put their faith in Christ. It's, it's, it's a level playing field. The, the, you know, the, the foot of the cross, it's level at the foot of the cross. It's for everybody. And so it's to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When we cry out in our brokenness, and we realize, hey, there's nothing we can do. It's all that Jesus has done. And we surrender our life to him. We receive the gift of salvation. And that's the good news. It's, it's for everybody. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? See, every believer, it's not just Mike's job. It's not just Steve and, and Jeremiah and the rest of our pastors. It's everybody that is a believer in here. It's our job to share the gospel. And so it's important that people hear the good news. And here's the thing. They may be willing, more willing to receive it from you than they would from me because they don't know me. You, and so you've got to be willing to say, God, I want to be one who shares the good news. I want to be one who shares the gospel. I want to be able to articulate and tell someone how they can be in a right relationship with a, with a holy God through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And so we've got to be willing to do that. But we've got to be willing to tell someone this good news. And I love this. It says, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? It's the Holy Spirit puts it on our heart, right? And hopefully, and I'm praying that some of you in this room, some of you guys watching online, that you begin to feel the pressure, the conviction of the Holy Spirit to go, you know what? I need to be sharing the gospel. I mean, that's what I am called to do. That's what I'm commanded to do. It's what I've been commissioned to do. And so I need to be willing to do that. And so that is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. And so God's word is saying, man, it's beautiful when someone loves someone enough to share the gospel with them. That we're not, you know, we're not afraid. We're not, we're just kind of, we're going, hey, well, I don't want to offend them. You know, the thing that's going to probably be the most offensive is whenever they get to the end of their life, they breathe their last and they bust hell wide open. They go, I had a friend that knew how to get to a, a, a relationship with God to go to heaven and they didn't tell me about it. I'd be offended, wouldn't you? I mean, I think we ought to be. And so we ought to go, you know, I don't want to offend them. No, I want to, I want to love them enough to get out of my comfort zone and out of my jail here. And I'm going to say, hey, listen, I want to share with them the good news, the gospel. And so the most important thing I would say to begin with is, hey, we need to hear the gospel. And we got friends and neighbors that need to hear the gospel. They need to see it lived out in our lives. You know, we need to try to model that. We live out the, our faith, but we talk about our relationship with Christ. And then here's the other one, conviction and realization. I was just talking about that. You know, so here's the thing. We, we realize we come to a point of brokenness and we, we're convicted over our sin. We're not going, well, hey, I'm just a good old boy, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm not that bad, you know. But you realize, you know what, man, I am a bad guy. I am broken. Man, I am a sinner and I need a Savior. I remember guys sharing with guys whenever I, was, I first got saved, I would share this, hey, man, I'm, you know, I ain't ever done that much wrong, you know. And, uh, and when I get down there, I'm just going to be one of the good old boys, you know, down there. And I said, hey, man, hell ain't going to be full of good old boys. I mean, hell ain't going to be where you're going to hang out with your buddies. It's going to be full of good old boys. 
But it's, here's the thing. It's not you get to go down there and kind of hang out. It's separation from God and from one another. And it's a place of torment. Who would want to go there? Nobody would, right? And so the conviction and realization, we need to get to the point where we're broken over our sin. That we go, you know, and that's what God desires is a broken and contrite spirit. That we come before God not going, hey, God, I'm pretty good. You know, I'm not too bad. But we go, God, I am broken and I am in need of a Savior. And so it's that conviction and realization. We realize, you know what? I can't get there on my own. I'm not good enough. You know, and I'm, I'm a bad person. I'm a broken person because I am a sinner. And here's the thing. Everybody is a sinner. And you might be able to qualify and quantify your sin and say, well, you know, I've never done this, never done that. But if you've done anything that goes against the law of God, you have sinned. If you've lusted, if you, if you have been envious of somebody else's stuff, if you have coveted their wife, coveted their whatever, you know, their car, their house, whatever, you're, you're a sinner. If you've lied, if, if you've done any of those things, you, you're, you're a sinner in need of a Savior. We all are. And so the conviction and realization is, is one of the steps that we need to understand. So let's get this in order, right? Let's kind of, let's move down that progression. So Peter's words pierced their hearts. I love this. This is at Pentecost. So we talked about, uh, you know, Acts chapter 2 last week. And, and we're talking about how, you know, Peter literally preaches the gospel, the good news. He preaches to all these people. He had been hiding. If you'll remember, they were, he, was, he denied Christ to a little girl. I don't know who that blankety blank is, is pretty much what he said. And, you know, and he denied Christ three times because he didn't want anybody to know he was affiliated with Jesus. But yet here he would stand before all these people and proclaim the good news because the power of the Holy Spirit was at work in Peter. And man, it was, it was changing these men into bold pro- pro- proclamation. Man, they were proclaiming the gospel. And so all of a sudden they're filled with this. But Peter's words pierced their hearts. In other words, they were broken over their sin. He's proclaiming the good news. And it says, they said to him to the, and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Their hearts had been pierced. They're like, what should we do? And look, he said, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what Peter is saying, hey, listen, man, you got to be, be broken over your sin. Broken to the point that you want something, you, you want something different. You realize, you see your condition, you realize, you know what, and you're, we're pierced over that, we're broken over that. So the, this promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, and all who have been called by the Lord our God. And then Peter continued preaching for a long time. See, y'all complain about me preaching? I'm just saying. He preached for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So what he said, hey, listen, man, guys, don't buy into what the world is selling. Man, what God has is best says those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 all. That's mainly men. That's men that it's talking about there. And so 3,000, you're talking about an explosion? The church exploded. You know, we've been talking about, you know, needing to make space around here. And, and this is, the 9 o'clock sometimes is, we've got a little bit of space in here. But the, the second service, we don't have any space. And so we're going to be asking some of those guys to be coming to the early service. And then we're adding a third service. It's on November the 5th, if you guys want to know. That'll be the day that we, we go live with three services. So it's going to take, take a little bit of disruption. And so here's what I love is, man, this disrupted the whole town, the whole place there. It just literally upturns Jerusalem upside down. And so I was sharing with our staff. I don't know if you guys are any gardeners in here or farmers or anything like that. But it's kind of like whenever you've got a, a plant that is root bound. 
you know, and it won't do anymore. And it's, it's struggling. It's full. The, the, it needs to be repotted, if you will. And so what you do is you go in and you have to disrupt it and kind of take it apart. And you take it and you either put it in two or you put it in three. And at first it may look like, you know, hey, man, there's, that looks kind of funny. But here's the thing. Now it's got room to grow. Now you get to see the fruit. And, and if you step back and you give it the right elements and the right ingredients in the right amount of time, you step back and you go, hey, that was the right thing to do. Look at all the fruit. Let me tell you what the fruit is. The fruit is the souls of men. And so we should be willing to say, God, hey, if it takes disrupting my schedule, if it takes, you know, changing things up to reach more people with the same gospel message, then we be, should be willing to say, God, show me what I need to do. Where do I sign up? What's my part? How do I help in this? And so we've got to be willing to say, God, help me to, help me to see that that's, what's, that that's what matters most is, is souls of men, you know, and so salvation and surrender. So here, here is the receiving part of that. And there's a lot of us that, man, we, we, we can hear that, and we hear a lot of that, and we say, well, I've got to get better. And I think I've shared with you guys before, I had an uncle, his name was Big Jim. And I remember sharing with Big Jim because Big Jim was my favorite uncle, and I, I loved just, you know, just hanging out with him. And, um, and so I wanted to share the gospel with him. So I remember being in my backyard at my parents' house, and, and I was sharing with Big Jim how to be saved. And he said, uh, he goes, yeah, I need, to, I need to get back in church. And yeah, I need to start reading the Bible. And, and I was like, Big Jim, you don't have to earn your way back he goes well I want to quit smoking and it was all these things hey I'm gonna try to clean up and I'm gonna try to get there and he just he couldn't get his mind around surrender like just receive it right and and some of you guys may be struggling with that maybe going hey well you know I need to stop talking so bad I need to stop smoking I need to stop dipping I need to stop whatever you know and I need to get back in church I need to get into Bible study and what you really need to do is just say God I surrender I receive it and here's the thing then because you love him, then you know what you might do. You might stop do, start doing all those other things and start doing some right things, right? But you don't do those things to receive salvation. You do those things because you have salvation. And so we've got to be able to say, God, I want to, I want to walk with you. Then Jesus said to his disciples, and this is, this is a hard teaching. He says, if any of you wants to be my followers, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. Now we talk about the cross like it's jewelry, but back then they knew it was the, the ultimate humiliation. It was the worst possible death. And so Jesus is telling them, you got to take up your cross. And they're going like, man, this is, this is heavy. This is a hard teaching. But he said, hey, if you want to follow me, that's what you got to do. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Just whenever we surrender our life, we say, Lord, here I am. I remember at the age of, of uh, 19, surrendering my life to Christ. And just saying, Lord, you know, I don't know what you, you're going to do with me, but here I am. I, I wanted to be saved. And then about a year later, God started dealing with me about ministry. And I kept telling God what I wasn't going to do and what I couldn't do and all these things. And I just remember there, I was there one night and this guy was teaching. had nothing to do with the ministry. But the Holy Spirit was just wrecking me. And, and I can remember coming down and just saying, you know, God, I don't know how you're going to use me, but here is my life. And I really li literally said, hey, whatever you want to do, I give it to you. And, and that's what Jesus is looking for, man. Hey, just, just give it. And here's the thing. He'll bless you in more ways than you can ever imagine. And man, he wants to, he wants to pour life into you, not death. We were singing a song a while ago talking about going from death unto life, you know? And so it's, it's about living. And I can remember at the age of 19, trying to think about, Hey, what all is it going to cost me? To be honest with you, it didn't cost me anything. I gained so much, man. I got rid of some of the garbage in my life and I got the blessings of God in my life. You know what I'm saying? I got rid of the bad stuff, got the good stuff. And so too often we're focused on the wrong things. 
It says, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? So this is Jesus talking. And see, some of us will trade our soul for stuff that's in storage or stuff that will rust or stuff that will rot or stuff that will just fade away like a fad. And we'll trade our soul for that. And what Jesus said, hey, listen, man, you're worth way more than that. He was willing to go and die on a cross, bleed out his precious blood to wash away your sins so that you could truly live. And so Jesus wants to experience abundant life, you know, the best life possible. So here's another one, following Christ in believer's baptism. You know, um, a lot of times we, we go, hey, man, you know, I want to, baptize, I want to get baptized. And, and I always tell people, hey, listen, number one, you got to get it in order. Baptism has to be in order because somebody will come up to me and say, hey, listen, man, I want to, I want to be baptized. My first question is going to be, what have you done with Jesus? Tell me about your relationship with Christ. Tell me about your salvation. Tell me about your moment of surrender. And a lot of people think, well, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to get baptized and it's going to wash away my sins. That water, it's water out of the tap. I don't know if you guys have figured that out. That is water out of the tap that we, we put in there. And so that water is not what washes. It is the blood of Christ that washes you. But what that is is symbolic of the fact that, you know what? Hey, I've been washed in the blood of Christ. I am no longer my own. I have I've given my life to Christ. And it's, and it's a picture of it. It's have being buried with Christ in baptism and being raised to walk in the newness of life. I'm dying to the old way of living. I'm dying to self, and I want to live for Christ. So it's more than just getting wet. You know, does that make sense? So it's a whole lot more than that. So we want to follow Christ in baptism, number one, because it, it mattered to Jesus. It says, then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. In just a few weeks, we're going to be in, uh, in Israel with our team that's going over there. And this is one of the places that everybody wants to see is the Jordan River, where Jesus was baptized. Kind of a big deal. You know, and so Jesus was baptized uh, by John. So, but John tried to talk him out of it. He said, I am the one who needs to be baptized by you. He said, so why are you coming to me? Anybody with any common sense gets this because you go like, John's going, hey, listen, I've already told people I'm unworthy to untie your sandals, Jesus. You know, and here you are wanting me to baptize you like I'm the one in authority. And, he, and Jesus said, hey, listen, no, no, no. I've got to model this for all the believers that will follow me. And if they really, if, you know, if they really follow me, then what I do will matter to them. So if you're one of those that you keep putting baptism off, baptism off, then here's the thing. You're not really following Jesus yet. But you got to be willing to say, hey, listen, I want to make sure that I follow Christ. If it was important to him, it should be important to me. But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. And after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a, a dove and settling on him. And then look at this. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. So not only did Jesus say, hey, listen, this is important. And it was important enough that Jesus would do it. And therefore, he wants his followers to follow him. But God, the father says, hey, this is my son. And man, he pleases me with what he does. He loves me. And he's about the father's business. And so like this afternoon, we have an opportunity for you guys to follow, and follow Christ in believers' baptism. And if you've been putting it off, it's time to get it done. And, and let me just say this. Your baptism can be out of order. Uh, my wife, Lori, uh, had shared her testimony before where uh, she, when she was little, her sister made a decision. And people came from the church and talked to Lori and said, hey, Lori, you want to be baptized? And she was like, sure. What kid doesn't, right? I mean, it's a cool-looking pool. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so, so she was like, yeah, yeah, I'm in. And uh, so she gets baptized and goes through life she gets to be about 17 she's a kid at youth camp 
and, uh, and someone asked her, say, hey, Laurie, you know, or, or the whole group said, hey, I want you to write out your testimony. And really what you're doing with your testimony is you're kind of sharing the ducks in a row, if you will. You're kind of sharing, hey, when did you realize you needed Christ? When did you pray to receive Christ? What has he done in your life since that point? And so it's kind of walking through that progression. And, and Laurie goes, I've never given my life to Christ. And somebody said, well, Laurie, you were baptized when you were a kid. And she goes, yeah, but I've never given my life to Christ. And so, so anyway, so Laurie gets saved at 17, changes her life. We're at Sanford and uh, we were talking, uh, you know, it was one week we were just kind of talking and we were, uh, we were dating each other and, and she said, Hey, I just feel like something's just not right in my life spiritually. And we kind of go through a checklist of things. But actually we were kind of walking through a list like this and I said, well, you know, have you ever been baptized as a believer? She goes, I got baptized as a kid. I said, yeah, but you didn't get saved until you were 17. Right. And she goes, Yeah. And I said, well, your baptism is out of order. I said, your baptism should take place after you have put your faith in Christ, after you have surrendered your life. And she goes, well, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I was like, well, I, th- I think it is. You know? And so it was kind of one of those moments where we agreed to disagree almost. You know? And uh, anyway, so that week we were helping out with Special Olympics there at the college where we were going. And uh, this little girl comes up to, uh, to Laurie and uh, she says, hey, she, goes, uh, she takes Laurie by the hand. She looks her in her face and she just is lit up like a light bulb. And she goes... I got baptized Sunday. And, and Laurie said, it was just like the Holy Spirit said, it's a big deal. And so I'm just telling you, your baptism is a big deal for your family. I mean, we'll celebrate birthday parties like nothing. I mean, we'll spend money, money, money on birthday parties. You know, and that's a physical birth. But here's the thing, you'll breathe your last one day. But a, but a baptism, and we ought to celebrate that. We ought to celebrate someone's spiritual birthday more than we celebrate their physical birthday. We ought to celebrate that. And go, man, my, ch- my, my child who was dead is now alive. It's going to live for eternity with me in, you know, in, in Christ in heaven, right? So it ought to be a big deal to us. So baptism should be a big deal. I love this in Acts chapter 9, nine here where Paul, one of the guys that we would say greatest missionary ever, one of the most incredible uh, followers of Christ, but man, his life was changed by an encounter with Christ on, on the road to Damascus, right? He, he, he has an encounter with Jesus and man, he literally surrenders everything to him. And so he, he's been blinded by this light. And so the Lord sends Ananias to him and says, so Ananias went and found Saul and uh, he, he laid his hands on him. And he said, brother Saul, he said, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he, gained, he regained his sight. And then he got up and he did what? He was baptized. I mean, it was important enough to Jesus, it was important enough to Paul, then it ought to be important enough to us to say, you know what, man, I don't care what everybody thinks. I'm going public with my faith in Christ. I'm going to be baptized. And then making sure that's in order, that you make that decision, you surrender your life, and then you're baptized as a believer. Every one of us ought to be able to say, hey, listen, I've got that taken care of. Those ducks are in a row. And then here's the other one, being, becoming a part of a church family. We talked about this last week. It's important. And let me just say, being a part of a church family is not just coming and sitting in a chair. If you think that is being a part of a church, you've missed it. If you think it's just signing a card, you've missed it. Now, here's the thing. You might have heard what we're about. You might have said, hey, I'm in agreement with that. But here's the thing. You have to engage. You have to become a part of it. You have to do your part. You have to be willing to say, listen, this is my church family. And if my family has, has a need, then I have a responsibility to do my part, whatever that might be. You know, and, it's, hey, and, and whether it's tithing, giving, whether it's serving, whether it's, you know, helping out with one of these services that we're about to start, you're going, you know what? I need to be using my spiritual gifts. And so every one of us have that responsibility, but becoming a part of a church family is being more than just sitting in a chair. 
We, we read this passage last week. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They're going, hey, listen, man, I'm, I'm committed to this. And so they were in. They weren't just kind of there. They were in. They were all in, right? And to the fellowship uh, and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. They were there for prayer. You know, let me tell you what will change a church is when a church becomes a place of prayer. Man, whenever we, all of us, begin to pray, and we pray believing, and we pray with pure hearts, I'm telling you, man, it, it'll, it'll rattle heaven, man, and God will literally rattle this world. But we've got, it's all about making Jesus famous. It's not about, hey, how good we are at prayer. It's about how humble and broken we are before a holy God. That's what prayer is. And so a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. God is still in the miracle working business. We see that over and over and over. We hear stories of that. You know, and so we want to pray for God to be honored and be glorified. Because here's the thing. When it's something miraculous, we go, hey, that's not what man can do. Only God could do that. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, we want to see more of that. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They shared where there was a need, right? They met those needs. That's a miracle. And they, they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. There are people around us that have need. Now, here's the thing. I, you know, I'm all about helping someone who has a need. Now, wants, that's a different ballgame, right? Our church, we help people all the time. But there are sometimes it's a need and there are sometimes it's a want. Wants, God doesn't say he'll meet all your wants. But he does say he'll meet all your needs. And so we have to decide, hey, what is a real need? You know, we've got to be willing to let some things go for what really matters. And then they worshiped together as, at the temples each day, met in homes in the Lord's Supper, for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And so one of the things we need to do is we need to spend time together. This past Thursday night, one of our life groups we, that Laurie and I are part of, we got together and just did a meal together. We went and ate at a Mexican restaurant. Man, it was just great fellowship. It was good to see them. You know what I'm saying? And so we need to do that. And I hear people talk, all the time talking about, hey, man, you know, just I don't really have any friends. Well, then get in a life group. You know, and, and I don't really know anybody. Well, get in a life group. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I can't tell you enough how important it is for you to get involved and engage and not just come and be a flower on the wall, but get involved. I mean, start serving. One of the ways that you will build relationships around here is serving beside someone. We were back in the back a while ago just praying, thanking God for the people that have such servant hearts here. And so this morning, already, before this service, just walking around, seeing the smiles on people's faces and seeing the excitement in their eyes about being able to serve you guys. There's something powerful about that. And so here's the thing. I'm inviting you to come. Hey, come be a part of that. And then you'll go, you know what, man? It's, it, there's a purpose in being here at church. It's not just me coming and sitting in a chair and soaking up a message or worshiping a little bit, but it's me giving back because I've been given so much. And so we've got to be able to say, God, give me that attitude of just generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were what? Being saved. We have, to be, we have to be the church. We have to have community. We need that. We're created for that. And then here's, here's another one. I think this is an important step. It's part of the Great Commission. It's being a disciple. We can say, hey, man, I'm saved. I'm good. No, it's a, it's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong journey. The song a while ago said the journey is where you're at. And so we're on this journey, and I will be on a journey until I breathe my last, until I'm in the presence of Christ. But here's the thing. I am learning. I am growing. I pray that I will be teachable until the day I die. We don't ever get there and go, hey, man, I'm good. You can't take this list and go, hey, I've got that done, that done, that done. Here's the thing. you got to start over, not with salvation, but with somebody else. You should be leading someone else. You should be sharing the gospel with somebody else. We never get to the point where we're complete this side of heaven. We're always on this mission, and we're always growing 
says a large crowd was following Jesus. Uh, and, and he turned around and he said to them, he said, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. That's a hard teaching. Now, I don't know if y'all remember, this is Luke 14. But uh, when we started this series, we taught out of Luke 15, which talks about the, the lost coin and the lost sheep and the, and the prodigal son, remember? And so, so Jesus is telling them, you know, how, what his heart is in Luke 15. He, hey, listen, you guys got to understand, the father's heart is to reach that one, to go after that one. You know, that one sheep, you leave, you leave the other ones out here, the 99, but you go after that one. You leave the coins over here, but you go find that coin. The prodigal son, the father is waiting for them to come home, right? He wants that relationship with them. But says a large crowd was following Jesus, and he turned around and he said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. And what he said, hey, listen, man, you've got to love God and his mission and his, his, his kingdom more than anything else. Your father and your mother your wife and your children, your brothers and sisters, yes, every, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. That's a hard teaching. Because a lot of you guys, you know, you'll post stuff like, hey, man, this is my world. Talking about your kid or your wife or whatever. And it goes in conflict with what the scripture says. You, they might be a blessing in your life. And they may be, but here's the thing, they can become your God. And they can become way more important than Jesus. And what Jesus is saying, listen, you won't be, be able to be my disciple if everything else is more important than, than the kingdom and than he is. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Nothing, no one gets to the Father except through him. And so you might say, well, dang, man, that's a hard teaching. Yes, it is. That's why it says, hey, you know, narrow is the path that leads to this. Wide is the path that leads to destruction. And so a lot of people, here's the thing. My prayer this morning was that people would be set free from religion in here people would be set free from being stuck in here you know and so my prayer is that maybe you're going to go you know what i've been focused on the wrong thing for too long and we got to be willing to say god i really want to focus on jesus he says if you do not carry your own cross and follow me you cannot be not be be my disciple again everybody that is in earshot of him is going carry your own cross he's talking about the roman cross the roman crucifixion man who wants to do that i mean this is a hard teaching he says, but don't begin unless you count the cost. And I love this. Jesus said, hey, listen, you got to count the cost. Hey, what is it going to cost me? And remember I told you whenever I was 19, I'm sitting there going, hey, what's this going to cost me? What's it going to cost me to follow Christ? What's it going to cost me to be a, a believer, a Christian? You know, I mean, what's it going to cost me? And so Jesus says, hey, man, count the cost. Weigh it out. He says, nobody goes and says, hey, I'm going to build a house or whatever. And, and then they get halfway through and they run out of money. And then everybody kind of laughs at him. And what he's saying pretty much to us is, hey, don't say, hey, man, I'm a follower of Jesus. And you go out and you still live like hell. And everybody goes, man, he's the biggest hypocrite in the world. Man, they ain't no Jesus in that dude. And that's pretty much what he's saying. He goes, hey, listen, if you're going to be, you know, with me, then, hey, man, it's got to be all in. It's kind of like what we read in Revelations. He'd rather you be hot or cold, you know, but don't be this lukewarm junk. You can be hot for the world or you can be hot for the kingdom. But don't try to walk this, hey, I'm going to be a little bit of both. He said, man, that stuff makes me want to vomit. Makes me want to just spew you out of my mouth. And so Jesus makes it pretty, pretty clear. And then here's, here's, here's I think, uh, an important part for us to kind of get our mind around is discovering our spiritual gifts and using our spiritual gifts. That, this is how we build up the body of Christ. And so we're going to move through this fairly quick. We've taught on this so many times. And there, there may be somebody here that's new. You go, hey, Mike, I haven't, haven't got this. Well, I would encourage you to go back and, and maybe read these passages and kind of pick this apart and kind of study it on your own. But it says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and pastors, and teachers. 
And their responsibility is to equip people, God's people to do uh, his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So my job as a pastor, our other pastors, their job is to equip you guys to do the works of ministry. So the ministers in the room are all the believers in this room, right? And, a lot, and so for whatever reason in our culture, we say, well, Mike is the minister. No, I'm the pastor who equips the people for the works of ministry. So therefore, all the people are the ministers, right? So that means we got an army of ministers, not just a few guys that are on staff that we go, hey, well, they're the pastors. They're the pastors that equip the people for the works of ministry. And it's to build up the body of Christ. It says this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We have to grow up. Some of you guys need to grow up, start using your gifts, and help building the kingdom. That's what Jesus is saying here, or what Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus. In Romans, it says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. So the body of Christ, the church, is all of us, right? It's not the buildings. These are just facilities that we use. But the church is all of us. It's the body of Christ. And so we've all been given special gifts. And some of you guys can do things I can't do. And I can do things you can't do. But that's how the body works together. It says, in His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. And if you are a teacher, teach well. Whatever you've been given, use it for the kingdom of God. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. And if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility serious. And if you're a leader and you say, Mike, you know, I'm a leader. I just don't want to lead at the church. Does that sound okay? No. It means that you ought to be using that all the more for the kingdom of God, not for your own gain. You say, hey, man, I, I want to take this serious. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So this is the body of Christ, right? This is what we're supposed to be doing to every one of us in this room that has been given a spiritual gift. And if you have put your faith in Christ, you have a spiritual endowment. You have a spiritual gift. The question is, what are you doing with it? And then th this is, would be close to the last one here, almost to the end. Live on mission. Every one of us in this room, I think if we listen to any of the scripture today, we know that we are to be on mission. It's not about just, you know, listening, agreeing. It's about applying. It's about being on mission. It's about being all in. And so Jesus told his disciples, he came and told his disciples, he said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's what we'll do this afternoon. It says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus makes it clear. I'm with you. You're not doing this on your own. Some of you guys are already getting a little bit of anxiety, going, man, I don't know if I can do that. Yes, you can. Because the Spirit of God is in you. The Spirit of God is working through you. The Spirit of God will put words in your mouth. The Spirit of God will give you ears to hear. It'll give you eyes to see the opportunity in the moment. The thing is, is just being obedient to what, what, we've, what we've read, right? And so here's the thing is, if we get these things in order, we kind of say, hey, listen, I've kind of got my spiritual ducks in a row. Then we, here's the thing, we're living on mission because this is the commission that, that Jesus gave us. It's, hey, go and live your life. And as you're going, as you're doing your life, man, you're making disciples, you're teaching people, you're equipping them, you're sharing the gospel, you're baptizing them. And so that's what we're supposed to do. And then here's, here's the, the final one, is we share that with others. What we have received we share with others. I tell people all the time, we're just beggars that have found food, and we're telling others where the food is at. 
You know, and there's a, great, there's a great story in the Bible where it shows that, where these guys find all this food. And, and they're like, man, we can't just enjoy this ourselves. We've got to go let everybody else know. And that's what we're doing. We're saying, hey, man, I want everybody else to know that Jesus can save, that he can heal, that he can redeem. Man, that he can do it all. And it's all about Jesus. It's not about church. It's about Jesus. So I don't know where you are on this journey. But God doesn't want you stuck. He wants you moving. He wants you moving closer and closer to him. He wants you to be on mission. He wants you to be an evangelist, sharing your faith. He wants you to be an encourager, building others up. He wants you to be a discipler, teaching others what you've been taught. That's what he's calling us to do. And he believes in you. And he trusts you with his message. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ. You go, Mike, I've been baptized. That's not what I ask you. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Christ. Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus for salvation. Who knows, maybe you've been trying to earn salvation and you realize today you can't get there that way. So maybe for you, maybe it's to put your faith in Jesus. That's the step you need. That's getting your ducks in a row. That's the right spot for you. So maybe for you, you say, you know what, Jesus, I want to ask you. Today, I realize I am broken. I realize I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I realize I need you and I need salvation. So Jesus, will you come into my life? Will you be my leader? Will you be my Lord? His answer is yes. Jesus, will you teach me to follow you? His answer is yes. And then he said, Jesus, I want to live for you. I want to live on mission. If you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ, if you just confessed your sins to him, you repented of those sins, then he will fill you with his Holy Spirit. He will adopt you into his family, and you become a part of the body of Christ, the church. That's a pretty good deal. It's a really good deal. And so if you just prayed that prayer, anybody in the room, if you just prayed that prayer, just raise your hands and say, Mike, I did. I'm looking. I'm going to go ahead and tell you I'm looking. Anybody just raise your hand. So, Mike, I just prayed that prayer. Anybody. Maybe online, if you don't mind, text say, hey, my decision and say, hey, listen, I just prayed that prayer. But that tells me there's a lot of believers in this room. So my question is, where are you, believers? Where are you? Are you stuck? Are you serving? Are you using your gifts? Have you died to self? So where are you? What are you going to do? What are you going to do to help reach one more? What are you going to do to go after the one? What will you do? Because Jesus is calling you to, to move, to follow him, to trust him. In a minute, worshiping is going to lead us through a song of response. Maybe a good time to go to the altar. There's going to be a prayer team down here that will pray with you. There are people, maybe you're going, hey, I got a few more questions about Jesus. They'll answer those. Afterwards, there's a VIP room in the back. Just don't walk out of here stuck. You don't have to. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. God, I thank you that we're on this journey called life. But we're not alone. 
you're right here with us. But God, help us to stay focused on your mission, your kingdom, your church. God, we want to we wanna make much about Jesus with everything that we do. So Lord, I pray that you would move right now in the hearts of these believers, that we wouldn't walk out of here the same today, and we wouldn't make excuses, but we would take a step of faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All across the room, if you guys would stand, you respond as the Holy Spirit leads you.